rather you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin. I'm joined today by Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our coordinator for pastoral care and the restorative justice ministry. And he primarily serves the prisons in Gatesville, Texas, many units there. And our friend of the program, Renee Brown, a licensed professional counselor. Today we begin segment two of three on the subject of finding happiness. Renee, how does exercise promote happiness? Well, in all the research, there is tons of literature out there actually about the benefits of exercise and how it, you know, promotes overall well-being, happiness, good self-esteem. It all ties together. And so um, when you think about improved happiness, you're looking at like self-esteem increases with exercise, um, improves social well-being. So often when we exercise, people like to exercise with a friend. So then like your social well-being improves too. And everything that I'm going to talk about will increase happiness. If I'm hanging out with my girlfriend and we're going for a walk, well, our that improves my happiness because I'm hanging out with her and we're going for a walk. Um, if my self-esteem isn't increasing, then that also affects happiness levels, right? Um, exercise has shown to Im- uh, improve, like, um, personal growth. <clears throat> it can affect even your decision-making skills, which I found to be very interesting. And I kept thinking about that, and I thought, well, you know, if you're not really working out and maybe you're really struggling with what you're eating, like if you have poor eating habits or you drink a lot of Dr. Pepper like I sometimes do, I mean, you get kind of foggy. And then your ability to make decisions would be affected. So with exercise, you know, you're going to make better decisions, which, of course, in turn, all of this ties in together. It's like a big circle. Um, That's going to increase your happiness. Um, It reduces uh, depression and anxiety. They found that when you're exercising, and it can just be walking. This doesn't have to be like a a full-blown workout with weights and crazy stuff. I mean, just walking, the benefits of walking decreases the symptoms associated with depression and anxiety. Um, and, and you sleep better. And sleep is a huge factor that I don't think I've brought up in a while, but we concentrate a lot on, on maybe other things, but sleep is critical to feelings of good well-being, so happiness. Um, a lot of the clients I work with, their sleep habits are, are bad, or they're just really struggling to sleep. Sleep, uh, when you have depression and anxiety, it affects your ability to sleep well. Either people have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or they'll wake up early. And sometimes it can be a combination, a couple of those. So when you're exercising, it improves your sleep. Um, it actually can increase confidence, self-esteem. It reduces stress. Um, sometimes it just promotes positivity it can even um, increase your ability to have autonomy. Um, I noticed, like, um, I, I love to go walking with my best friend, my girlfriend, down the street. But I, I kind of feel more independent when I go walk by myself for some reason. I don't know what that's about, but it just, it just, I just feel more independent when I do it myself. And so it helps my self-esteem. And some other things to think about, like, if you look at this from a hormone piece, um, <clears throat> 
hormones such as endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, testosterone, all of that gets released through your body when um, you're working out, when you're exercising. Endorphins, you know, um, they are kind of the painkillers in our body. They reduce discomfort and they enhance, you know, and improve self-esteem. That's what the endorphins do. Um, Dopamine is the pleasure habit hormone in your body. Um, a lot of people will use, use drugs. When they use drugs, especially the dopamine gets highly affected with drugs. But you can increase that um, motivation and pleasure feelings when you're exercising. You can uh, increase dopamine. And then serotonin also, the serotonin levels of your body can be affected positively when you're walking. It made me think about when we were talking earlier about having coping skills. In a segment, we talked about coping skills. And this is the other reason exercise to me is so important as a coping skill. It's going to increase your happiness. It's going to increase self-esteem. And as a coping mechanism, what if we taught our kids like, hey, exercise more, and we get them involved in exercise. We're walking with them as parents. We're walking with them. We bike with them. We do these things with them. Not say go outside and play, but actually do these things with them. I mean, if you think about it, if a kid knows to do this and they're they're understanding the benefits of exercise and they can feel it and you talk about it like, wow, you're sleeping better. And I noticed you seem more confident lately. This could be a great deterrent for drug use, right? I think about that sometimes like, <clears throat> what drugs do for people in, in, with some drugs, what they do for people is the same thing that exercise would give them. You could exercise and increase serotonin. Um, you could change, you know, the endorphins, dopamine. This is all affected when exercise. You don't need to use a drug to affect any of this. You could be out walking. You could be out running. You could be riding a bike. You could be skateboarding. Figure out something that you love to do. And, and maybe as parents, that, that needs to be part of, of, of our role. And and believe me, this is not like I'm not trying to be preachy because, y'all, I was a parent. I did not teach my kids this. It was go outside and play. And I wanted them to do fun things like I put them in soccer, basketball. My daughter was in dance, all of that. But I didn't really do that stuff with them. There's a family that lives in my neighborhood and it's so fun. There's probably six of them. But the husband, the wife, and all the kids, they ride bikes together every night. And when it's dark, they have helmets with lights on them. And they'll pass you up when you're walking say hi. And they're doing that as a family. And I'm like, that is so amazing that they're teaching their kids the importance of exercise. And then if you think about it, once again, tying everything together, then you're not, they're all, um, this is all relationship, right? So when you're exercising as a family, you're, this is relationship. This is speaking to strengths. This is creating happiness. It all ties together. So to put in another element that ties into that, which we may not see always, but which you are guiding us to see, you have the exercise piece of this. That's for the body, which also affects the mind, as you've just told us. But meditation and Mm -hmm. mindfulness, these are terms that we hear a great deal, especially mindfulness. I think most of us have a basic idea of what we understand meditation Mm -hmm. to be. But as mindfulness enters into the dialogue of well-being out there in the world and and certainly uh, will be heard by our flock that are incarcerated, how did the two differ? What's the difference between meditation and mindfulness and how does meditation influence happiness? Okay. 
So there's been a lot of research that they found that meditation and being mindful uh, increases happiness. And so sometimes I'll have clients that go, well, what's the difference? Because it all kind of seems, it seems like it would be the same thing, right? Or you'll hear mindfulness meditation put together. So the difference is meditation, it's kind of, it's a practiced skill. You could think of it that way, um, where mindfulness is the practice of, of living in the moment. And so when we look at, they have common traits. So some of their common traits is your, your, fo- uh, your focus, like you're learning to focus because we don't really do that much. I think we're very distracted society. And so both being mindful and being in, me- in a meditative state help you develop focus. It also helps you. The their commonalities are you're living and being with intention. I am meditating with an intention to calm down. I'm meditating to connect with God. If that's what you're, so it's very, there's an intention to it with mindfulness. If I'm out walking, doing a mindful walk, there is an intention to notice everything around me. So both are done with intention in mind. There's awareness with both of them. Even in a meditative state, there is awareness there. I am meditating with God right now. So there is awareness that God is with me during this meditation. I'm meditating on his word or I'm meditating on, you know, how my relationship can develop deeper. Whatever it is, there is an awareness there. Being in the present moment with both meditation and mindfulness, you are not thinking about, oh, what's, what am I cooking for dinner next week? What if my kid does this? Or you're not thinking in the past, oh, that relationship ended. I'm devastated. Mindfulness and meditation is very much about being in this moment. And there's nothing else going on in your mind but the moment. It takes concentration to do this. It takes discipline to do this. Um, Almost a detachment, in a way, from other people that are around you. Uh, Detachment from certain thoughts, right? Because you're just in this moment. And it's about being non-reactive. So that's where they have common some common traits. Some places where they differ... And I got all this information from a really great website. Now, I can't remember the name of it, but I can tell you it's L-H-Y-E-C. That's their acronym. <clears throat> Meditation, typically, I think people associate it with a, a practice of meditation. You know, there's different practices of meditation. Like you have to sit in a certain position. You know, I'm going to have my legs crossed. Maybe I'm sitting on a pillow. You know, maybe my hands are in a certain position. Breathing in a particular breath- way. Yes, there's a particular rhythm to the breathing. So it kind of has like maybe some directives to how you're going to meditate. There's a process for it. And it sometimes it takes place in a specific environment like I, I knew this gentleman that he he did meditation for like five hours a day, and he met it, he was outside. He had built this little platform, this whole thing. So a lot of times it has a specific environment, and it's done in a specific way where you're watching your breathing, you're sitting in a certain position, all these things. Meditation it can it can start with mindfulness, but you're going way deeper, um, and you're incur in, in meditation you're just encouraged to. Be so centered that you're detached from the world. Where to me, mindfulness is more like you're aware of the world in a way, right? 
Mindfulness can be like a goal for daily living. I want to be mindful today. So when you're doing that mindful walk um, that we talked about a little earlier, that can be something that's practiced informally every day. You could go on a mindfulness walk every day somewhere different if you wanted. So with meditation, it's kind of this one certain place where you do it. But with mindfulness, it could happen anywhere. You know, I could be at a a stream. I could be at the beach. Not to say you can't do meditation in those places, but meditation is usually a little more disciplined. There's usually a little more, I guess you could call it even rules. Um, And mindfulness doesn't have to have a specific beginning or end to it. It just takes place in a special place wherever you need. There's no equipment, nothing like that. Um, Meditation is, according to this, it sometimes has a time stamp. You know, like there's a specific time, amount of time that you need to spend in meditation. And like I said, this individual that that uh, I met, he would meditate for five hours a day. I don't know how anybody can do something that long for five hours in that meditative state, but he could definitely do that. I think meditation is something that takes a lot of practice uh, and it can be, it's challenging when I talk to clients about doing meditation. It's something that's learned. You have to practice it and you have to be consistent with meditation. I'll give clients, I have, I'll have a lovely meditation that I love called Leaves on a Stream. And they'll say, well, I tried it and it didn't work. And I'm like, well, how many times did you try it? Because you, you could do mindfulness once because it can be anywhere. But meditation, you're going to have to work at this over and over. It becomes a practice. The, 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 the man that I knew couldn't do five hours without first having done five minutes. So it's something that you expand. It's something you grow into. Renee, um, with all that being said, I was thinking we talk about, and this is um, in our in our ancient prayer practice of Lectio Divina. We, we have a, a component of meditation mm-hmm. uh, that, that we come to. But um, let's go back to... Um, how um, how does meditation and well, we just talked about how mindfulness and meditation differs, but what are some other ways to create happiness? Yeah, so when you think about um, happiness, we don't want to be just kind of stuck into one thing. And I found this really great article by Barton Goldsmith from Psychology. It was it was a it was an article on Psychology Today, and he gives you ten simple ways to find happiness. And I thought these were lovely, and they're simplified, which is what I love. And so one of the things he says is, "Is be with others who make you smile. You know, be with people who make you happy, who bring a smile to you fa- your face, or maybe they make you laugh." Um, one of the things that I love most about my best friend is she always makes me laugh, and she. She smiles when I, she, it seems like she always picks me up. She always wants to be the driver. And when I walk into the car, she is always already smiling at me. And as soon as I get in the car, she's like, oh my gosh, you look great today. I don't think I could be with no makeup on, hair stringy. And she'd say, I look, you, you look great today. It's just her whole being. Like she is so happy and upbeat and she laughs and it just it just makes me feel so good being around her. So surround your pe- yourself with people who make you smile, who make you laugh. Um, another one that he talks about is holding on to your values. And we've talked a little bit about this, and we're going to talk about it more. But I don't think I really realized until doing some of the research for this how important values are to happiness. I mean, 
I know it's ha- it's important to have values, right? Values are, we need to know our values. That's what drives things. But it also is so important to your happiness. Values are what we hold true. And it doesn't mean you can't change your values or maybe adopt some new ones. But it's what we hold true. And over time, when you honor your values, it increases your self-esteem. It plays into your strengths. And then it it it's almost becomes like this loving thing that you do for self, which when we're loving ourselves, hopefully that's eliciting happiness as well. When you think about maybe some of the things that, that as an incarcerated person, I bet you if you went back and looked at your values, you would see that you weren't practicing your values and that's how you ended up incarcerated because values play such an important role in our life, but they do play into happiness as well. Accepting the good, you know, look at your life and take stock of what's working and what's not working and, and don't push a thing. Don't push things away when they're not perfect, but just, you know, try to work on them, but accepting the good things that are happening, even if it's a small thing, um, accept that. And some people have have trouble recognizing the good things or they they don't accept them. Maybe they're scared to accept the good things in life. He also talks about um, doing the things that you love. So, you know, you can't necessarily skydive every day. But if you love coloring, color. If you love that, do that. Do the things that you love. That's going to increase your happiness. Um I have to admit, this is going to sound weird, but I love putting on makeup every day. It's fun to me, and I'll do different stuff, and sometimes I'll take it all off and just do fun stuff. So find things that you love to do and then do them, and finding your purpose. So we're kind of circling back to one of our previous segments where we talked about purpose. Finding your purpose, that's going to elicit happy feelings. I love being a counselor. Teaching was a little more challenging, and at some point, I wasn't happy teaching anymore. But I love counseling. Even with its challenges, it's my purpose, right? I feel like I'm serving God's people when I'm—this is what I was meant to do. This is how I serve Him, and this is how I serve His people is through counseling. And when I'm living my purpose, that's when I feel my happiness is when I'm living my purpose. Listen to your heart, you know— Listen to the people that fill up your heart. Hopefully Jesus is filling up your heart. When you can't find anybody else, Jesus is always there to fill up your heart. Um, it also talks about uh, your family and friends may think that you'll, you'd be great at something. You know, listen to your heart. What do you think you would be great at? You know, what what, what is God maybe even putting in your heart that that you need to do. So um, push yourself, but not others, you know, pushing yourself to do good things, pushing yourself to achieve your goals. That's going to elicit happiness. Um, You know, when I left my job, um, there was happiness there because now I'm pursuing a private practice, which is what I've been wanting to do. And it's challenging, but it's so much fun. I'm loving this. And with challenges, when you overcome a challenge, I'm happy when I overcome a challenge, right? So push yourself to do new things or, you know, to complete challenges, to be successful, be open to change. I think that one's really challenging for most of us. Change is hard. You know, it's kind of scary. There's some fear in there, Um, but be open to that. I was sharing with Deacon Ronnie and 
Father uh, Harry, I'm going to be, um, I'm letting go of a job, so to speak. So this is going to be a big change. And I'm going to look at maybe writing some books and, and doing some things like that. And and it's change that I'm not used to. Um, or even just the fact of like, I don't have a regular paycheck now. You know, now it's like, this is different. When I worked a job, you get paid every two weeks. Well, now, you know, it's in, it's how I get paid when people pay me, so to speak. So it's a change that I'm getting used to. But change can bring along happiness, so that's okay. Bask in the simple pleasures. Y'all, I'm all about the simple pleasures. I think that that if people spent more time basking in the simple pleasures, that they would find more happiness I think we get really caught up in that we need the big vacation. I need the big car. I need the big house. You know, I need all this money in my bank account or whatever, the designer clothes, Louis Vuitton, whatever. I think people get caught up in that that's what's going to bring them happiness. And some of my happiest moments are literally sitting in my backyard and just laying in the sunshine, you know, or watching the birds. There's tons of birds by my house or, you know, little things can bring us so much happiness. You know, when my grandkids come to visit and they run up the walk screaming, Gigi, oh, my gosh, my heart could burst and I'm so happy. So um, finding simple pleasures could be really helpful. In terms of how our values influence happiness, I wanted to ask Deacon Ronnie instead of Renee, yes. um, <laughs> the virtuous life, which forms our values. How, how is that? How do Tell us about the virtuous life and the way in which, you know, that impacts our, our values. Thus, it can contribute to our happiness. Well, I, I, again, I think that it goes back to uh, our whole relationship with God. And, and when we're living um, in a virtuous life, uh, uh, there's a, a completely different order uh, to how life's being lived. Um, and think about um, the sacrament of confirmation, particularly uh, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the things that we've been talking about in these last few segments, we have uh, wisdom, we have understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. That sense that, that God hasn't left us out here to figure this out on our own, that he's there with us in all of these moments of life, if we so will it. Uh, he's right beside us each and um, every way. And I think that's that's one of the, the values you see. Um we were talking about um, virtues coming um, down this morning, and you know it's not hereditary. I mean, it has to be an act of your will. There's there's a discipline there, but uh, if we so will it, God God comes in and and He fills uh, that void. That actually, really, He just completes that what we're we were longing for. And and so oftentimes we find ourselves pursuing it in something else, and that'll always come up short. But um, the virtues um, are very important. Um, and also, not to uh, move to a different subject, but I want to add to in that practice of meditation for us in, in our Christian praying tradition, the, the power of Lectil Divina, uh, that uh, uh, listening to the Word of God. And I invite you, if you're not a practitioner of Lectio, go go and, and online and go to, to the USCCB uh, website to uh, Catholic.com, and there will be a daily reflection on the on the um, gospel of the day. Um, invite you to do it, particularly on the Sunday, and and use that practice as a way of praying um, that sacred scripture. 
Um, and it begins with listening to God. God God speaks to us through that sacred text. There is a meditation component component that's going to ask us, you know, is there some things that's coming out of that? Uh, what is God challenging you to? What is God uh, affirming in your life? What particular word or phrase caught you that sits you down? And so there's that meditation, particularly where you're kind of setting everything mm-hmm. else to the side, but you're spending time with that particular that phrase or that word. And then there's a then the contemplation where you're going to be, this uh, words would get in the way at that moment because God has distinctly said something to you and you're sitting with that. And then you would just conclude with a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving. But very important uh, that we uh, see that as being uh, essential uh, to our daily living. We spoke earlier in a previous segment about relationship, and it's come up several times throughout the course of, of many of our episodes. And we got to the point in our discussion uh, off the program, the relationship with God is paramount because God is relationship, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, known as the divine community of love. And so fostering a relationship with that divine community is going to be a fostering of happiness in our lives. And for all of us, whether we're incarcerated or whether we're out in the the free world, not incarcerated, the ease with which we focus so easily, so naturally on that which is unhappy in our lives, that which we tell ourselves, different from that, but that which we tell ourselves would make us happy if only this was a reality in my life or if only, as Deacon Ronnie mentioned earlier, I had a thing Mm -hmm. uh, in, in place in my life and I know that that would make us happy. I would want to add to all of the above For those of us who find ourselves grinding along frequently with unhappiness because it just arises, you know, something happens, uh, a person comes into into my dorm or or, uh, near my cell, and that person's presence makes me unhappy. Uh, A phone call comes from a family member, that, and I'm unhappy after the fact. As I burn with this unhappiness to, to just put the brakes on in that moment and say to myself, why? Why does this make me so unhappy? And how do I allow myself to let God in in this moment and say instead, my beloved daughter, my beloved son, you are mine. Let that make you happy. I, I use the image of sitting beside a stream and you're, it's crystal clear water. It's a very beautiful day. It, it's not 108 like it may be outside <laughs> today for us here in Texas, but you're, you're, you've got this pristine pastoral scene and all of a sudden this debris comes by this log jam or trash or whatever you've got two choices you can let it go and pass you by or you can follow it down if you mm. follow it down that that it's going to take you away from that, that encounter and so um i use that as a sense of saying always redirect yourself with your gaze towards christ and the things of God and heaven and not on what's around you if you watch mm-hmm. you stay with what's around you it's like watching flies at a picnic you can't keep up with it. And so you're always going to be refocused. They're always, it's going to be there, but you don't have, you don't have to give it your attention. Your focus can be back to God. Tend to the things that, that is to your responsibility, to your um, care. The rest is none of your business. 
and, and, and always recenter yourself to God. And that, again, you know, we have to live a Christ-centered life. We have to live a God-centered life. God has to be the first in our life and everything that we say and do. And there's a discipline to that, as you have mentioned in, mm-hmm. in previously, Deacon Ronnie, where I choose consciously not to go down the stream with, with whatever's there. And I think there's, you know, in terms of what we've discussed earlier with control and lack of control, what's in my power, what's not in my power, um, you know, I, as you know, I like to go out in a kayak and go up and down a river. And one of the things that I did with what made me very unhappy with seeing uh, the, the trash that people leave every week that I see when I'm out there, I made the trash a source of my happiness by going out and picking it up. Uh, by removing it and and contributing in some small way to the health of the river and to the enjoyment of other people who follow after me so that something that made a burning unhappiness in my life now is a source of treasure. Uh, It's literally like a trash treasure hunt that I go out there and grab this nasty stuff that's been in the water for a while. And then as I paddle away, I get to thank God for the beauty of that creation that's, that's there before me. I wanted to close today with the the words of a very familiar hymn. For those who are frequent in adoration, you'll recognize this right away. Holy God, we praise thy name. Lord of all, we bow before thee. All on earth thy scepter claim. All in heaven above adore thee. Infinite thy vast domain. Everlasting is thy reign. Amen. We thank you for being with us today. Please join us for our final segment on finding happiness. Walk with me, brother.